Hello, welcome to the Sentinels New Stoke City podcast, Delilah. I'm Pete Smith, and, and this week I've been joined all the way from the other side of the sports desk, <laughs> Port Vale reporter Mike Bagley. Good, good morning, Pete. I think you should rename this the Stoke City and, and Port Vale podcast, <laughs> just, just for this week. <laughs> well, for this week only, perhaps. Uh, and welcome to, to the Port Vale fans who are listening, I'm sure. Uh, don't tune out just yet, Stoke <laughs> fans. It's for good reason. We're, we're here to talk Bosch's Derby. That means Mark Steen, Puddles, penalties, Dunkins in the River Trent. And a, a lot of passion, particularly from the era we know best, the 1990s. Um, okay, so the last pottery derby, the senior derby. Mike, Mike, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. 2002. 2002, won by Port Vale. I think I've probably mentioned this in a few pieces from the archives, which you always uh, roll your eyes at whenever this one's um, this one's brought out occasionally. And the clubs are now one, two, three <laughs> divisions apart. And, Temporarily, uh, yes. Unlikely to meet in the league anytime soon. But there is a better chance that they'll play against each other uh, next season. We'll, we'll explain why in a minute. But first off, Mike, I think you'd like to see an annual Stoke City fail well, pre-season friendly. I'm thinking of you really, Pete, because I know you and uh, Martin Spinks, who's, who's away today, um, you're off to Germany, you're off to Switzerland this summer. I'm sure you'd much prefer the short trip to Burslem for a, for a pre-season friendly. It always used to happen in the 70s and 80s. Obviously, it didn't really happen then in the 90s when the teams were pretty much in the same division for much of that decade. And they've never really been brought back. I just wonder if, if, if it's time. Let's have the uh, the Potteries derby as a, as a pre-season friendly. It has been brought back in a, in a, in a format, hasn't it, with Tony Naylor over the last couple of years? How's that yeah. gone down? That's, but they've been absolutely brilliant at Vale Parks. Uh, vale have um, played Stoke twice and they've got... To, 2,000, 3,000 people there I think for the two different games raised lots of money for charity and they've been really well attended as well and Stoke and Vale fans mixed mixed with each other during the day and everyone had a, had a great time I'd appreciate it to be slightly different if it was a first team game and obviously on a serious point there would be no point the teams having to have a friendly if the police bills wiped out the, 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 uh, the taking so obviously that's something they've got to look at but um, these things, these games used to happen in the seventies and eighties when crowd trouble was probably more prevalent than, than it is today. So I think it'd be great if it if it came back. It's funny I was looking through the um, stop me from boring you. But I was looking <laughs> I was looking through the archives actually. And Vale actually played in uh, May nineteen seventy. Vale had just won the fourth division under Gordon Lee, and as a sort of celebration, he played uh, Stoke in an end of season friendly at the Victoria Ground. So before they went away for the summer. Before they went away for the summer, they played. Uh, I think it was three friendlies, a, t- a testimonial. Also played at Stoke, and Vale actually managed to win that one three two. I'm not. I'm not saying But you, you look at the sides, and it was uh, Stoke by a, a full squad. I think Gordon Banks was the only player that was missing, and I assume that was because he'd uh, linked up with England for the uh, for the World Cup in right. Mexico at the time. Everyone else was playing. It was. Um, I'm not sure it was the friendliest of friendlies, though. Uh, Mike Padgett was booked. Um, read into that, won't you, Will? <laughs> Tony Lacey playing for Vale ended up with stitches over his eyes. I was reading through the um, the match report by the um, excellent, excellent uh, Stoke City reporter, Peter Huey, who listeners will remember. He was saying that there could be a place in the calendar for this clash, but not with the hatchets flying. He said, it was a, he said the teams declared war on each other in this game. He said uh, someone could get really hurt next time. We'll have to ask Mike Padgett about this game when, he, uh, when we next see him. So he said only Stokes Pride was hurt last night, but um, there were 11,000 there, so not a bad turnout and, uh, and a good game. So 
May, may, maybe one day to be nice to see this this fixture back. Yeah, and hopefully with Hatchet's Flame, we won the Hatchet's Flame. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Peter Huey loved it. Uh, on, a, on a serious point, I know you, you spoke about Switzerland and Germany, but Stoke haven't got a home friendly this this summer uh, because they're, they're renovating the the Bet365 mm-hmm. Stadium. But they haven't had a home friendly last summer either. Uh, and there is feeling among fans that they would like to see uh, the team in action during the summer. I know the under-23s play at Newcastle Town uh, and they'll, they'll play at League Town again this summer. Uh, but I, I think there will be a lot of support from, from the Stoke side, at least from the fan base, to, to nip down to Burslem for a night, uh, check out the pubs, <laughs> have a few pies that you can't get in Switzerland and, um, and yeah, put a strong team out. Well, that, that would be good. I mean, actually, we'll come on we, to the Czech Trade Trophy uh, later. And I think it, it would depend on what teams, both teams field. If it was a first team, if it was a first team game, obviously new signings, people would be interested in that. Not quite so much, not so much on the game as if it were a, a, a cup fixture or maybe one day. Who knows? One day a league fixture. They'll you have to improve it. Supplying some kind of trophy, the, the Bagley Cup or <laughs> the John Rudge Cup, I guess. The John Rudge Cup would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. We'll see if, okay. if Roger can organise it. Well, you speak to Vale, I'll speak to Stoke. OK, we'll, we'll get it sorted. Yeah. Stoke are actually playing at Crewe this, uh, this summer and they've promised six senior players. So maybe there is something along the lines that they could do. Well, that's it. Vale could agree to play six senior players as well. And uh, there, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Right, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Because uh, the, there is a real chance that, um, that Stoke and Vale could play each other this season, perhaps more so than most. We always hope when the FA Cup draw mm-hmm. comes out that Vale are still in it for a start and that <laughs> go on I'll let that one go <laughs> and that there's a, that they're drawing against each other or in the League yeah. Cup yeah uh, it hasn't happened for a long time but in the Checker Trade Trophy the, the format's been slightly changed and that there's a chance that they might come up against each other this time well certainly since the format was changed last season so we're under 21 sides from Premier League and some championship clubs were allowed into it um so uh, and the the, um, the first round is in group stages. There are sixteen um, under twenty one teams. Stoke and Witcher one. It'll be split into north and south. Vale and Stoke will both be in the north. So there's a you know at least a, there's an eight to one chance they'll be drawn together. And if they get through the groups, they could then well meet in the in the northern section. Didn't happen last year. It could happen this year. I, ha- I hope it doesn't have to be honest. I'd love to see the teams meet in the in the league cup or the FA Cup, but um, this. Um, Sort of zombie competition of the Checker Trade Trophy, which is staggering on into the second year. I, I really wouldn't like to see Port Vale have to play full strength side against Stokes under 21s. What's the feeling with Vale fans? I know that the attendances across the board were mm-hmm. down when they last season for this competition. Yeah. Are Vale fans really against it? Yeah, I think supporters, certainly the supporters I, I spoke to um, were dead against having to play an under-21s team. And fans really voted with defeat across the country. Vale had two crowds of just over a thousand, sorry, a thousand people, which are two of probably the three or four lowest uh, gates since Vale Park was opened in 1950. So that, that really says it all. I mean, it's fair to say that anyway, in the early rounds of the Checker Trade Trophy or its various incarnations, you always get low gates anyway. But it's been made worse this time, A, from the fact you, you're now playing an under-21 side or against an under-21 side, and B, that you're now in, in group matches. So the, the problem always was that you got low gates in the early rounds. So the, the Football League have now given us more early rounds, early round games, which it's just giving people football matches they don't want to watch, basically. It seems uh, bizarre. Yeah, it just gets the spirit. Mm. Um, I'm going to play devil advocate in mm-hmm. a minute, but the Premier League is putting in a lot of... Yeah. 
uh, prize money as well. I yeah. That must be why the clubs have agreed to, for it to continue. That's right, and, and clubs, uh, football league clubs, voted two thirds in favour to continue this. And yeah, the prize money. I was just actually checking this morning. The prize money's gone up from two million to to three million pounds. It is well worth having. Vale, for example, made more from the Checker Trade Trophy than they did from the, the League Cup last season. You play three group games, and last season, if you won, what for each group game you won, you won ten thousand pounds prize money. Doesn't sound a lot, I'm sure, to uh, Premier League clubs, but at the League One and Two level, it makes a difference. Prize money's gone up to three million this time, so I'm assuming that that it would go up by a third for when the individual game so they will get 15,000 for each group match they won yeah, a lot of money isn't it it's, yeah, it's, it's, clubs. exactly it's well, it's well worth having which I assume is why clubs have voted for it the problem I would say though is you just play in a football match purely for the money there's no uh, the fans don't want it I don't think the, the football league players don't don't want oh, to play. Tom Pope's column. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He said he doesn't want to. Yeah. Although Vale actually voted for it this time, so he may not. He may, I may not ask him to repeat that column this time. Now he's resigned. Um, but that, that's the problem. The football league clubs are playing this competition purely uh, for the money. So what, what's the point? What's the point playing football if you're just doing it for that? Supporters don't want to watch it. Players don't want to play it. Um, the football league have said it's not the thin end of the wedge in terms of getting Premier League B teams into the Football League itself. But I think a lot of supporters look at this and think, well, maybe this could be what happens. Um, slippery slope. It's, it's slippery slope, yes, because say in five or ten years' time, the Premier League clubs say, well, we really want an under-21 team playing not three group games a season. We want them involved in regular competition. So we'll give every League 1 and 2 team, say, a million pounds each. They, they, who knows, they may be able to afford that then, whatever the latest broadcasting deal is. Would football league clubs then say, "Well, that's, that's something we just can't afford to to turn down"? To stay in business. Yeah. So it's. The, I think the principle's been established, and you do worry that some years yeah. down the line that might be what happened. It, it, it was interesting. I, I covered the Stoke games in this competition, and for Stoke supporters, I'd, I'd say for the vast majority, it was a competition that they really wanted to hate. And I did say I was going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Yeah. But when we turned up at the first game, it was Bradford away, and there were hundreds, hundreds of fans there. It might have been fewer than a thousand. And he thought, "Well, this isn't going to have the likes." Mm. But in fact, um, I think Chelsea and Tottenham, I think, are coming into the competition next year. So he seemed to have gained yeah. momentum from, from that perspective. And, and I think if you spoke to uh, Bradford players uh, and Morgan players who came up against the Stoke team, featuring under 21s players, yeah. but also Charlie Adam, Mam Juve. And then it was Peter Crouch, yeah. uh, and Barry Allen, and Mark Moniata, as well as the young players. They were saying that they got a lot of, got a lot out of the experience as well. That these uh, inexperienced players, in some some uh, cases, coming up against players who, who play for the country, yeah. you don't get that chance very often. No, that's a fair point, and I suppose it depends what team the what team has played. As you said, Stoke played some senior players. On, on that night yeah. and it was funny Stoke was seen as disrespecting the competition mm. by doing that but in mm. a lot of ways there was something more for the fans because mm. the players really wanted mm. it was seen as a uh, it's not like playing in the Premier League but mm. they, these players were coming out and they were giving it everything now, yeah. Charlie Adam was fantastic uh, he was like a, a Stoke's captain for the occasion and he, he dragged everyone with him uh, so that was good to see and it was interesting that the, the Stoke fans I wouldn't say that they're completely in favour. They had a couple of brilliant days out in this yeah. tournament at Wembley. But there hasn't been an outcry this summer that, that we might have expected having mm. seen what it was last 
12, uh, 12 months ago. Yeah, the problem is it, it, it does grow on you, doesn't it? I suppose the competition, all things yeah. can grow on you. Not uh, not particularly good, well, like some sort of fungus, I would say, but that's probably not how, how it will be marketed. Um, but yeah, that's fair enough. I think looking from a supporter's point of view, it's it's almost the, the dignity of you are having to play your full strength team against an under what is officially an under twenty one side. It's up to the Premier League sides that they can then tinker with that. But but in, in name at least, Port Vale first team will be playing Stoke City's under twenty ones. I spoke to a Vale fan who won't name who said, Well look, what's in it for us if, if Vale win the game? Everybody said, Well, so you should do, you're playing against Stoke's kids. If Stokes' kids win the game, then uh, this Vale fan said, well, I wouldn't be able to leave the house for a week. <laughs> so that, that, that's probably part of the objection to it, I would say. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the problems with it from Stokes' point of view, it leads us on to an X point perhaps, is that they have to keep a basis of their under-23s team to field in this competition to supplement the, the Charlie Adams of this world. <laughs> uh, and that means that these, these players might only play three games, three proper games from the start of the season until uh, Christmas when the loan window reopens, and that's a that's going to be a real dilemma for, for the for the manager and the coaches about some players who, who need senior action, um, uh, whether to send them out on loan, where they can perhaps play every week, or keep them in to play for Stoke yeah. and represent the club in the competition. That's the problem, and I, I would have imagined that most teams would want to send players out, out on loan where they, they're getting they're playing every week rather than three games over six months. Problem is, of course, the the loan rules changed in the football league last season, so you can only loan players now in in the transfer window. So that makes it even more difficult. So yeah, that's a, an, an, another objection I have. Although it seems that the Premier League, it's the Premier League that's really pushed pushed this through and is paying for it. This check, new checker trade trophy, so that they must think it's a good idea. Stoke really aren't happy about the changes to the loan rules. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Gareth Jennings, who's the academy director. He was saying players are all individuals you look at them as under 23s but a six month loan deal might work for one player mm. but it won't for another mm. some, some of them just need to go out for a month and get the experience mm. and it's all part of their development and they're all being grouped together uh, what works for one works for another at mm. the moment uh, so we'd be interested to see if that changes yeah it seems to have been a really unpopular change certainly they'll, they'll change the loan rule certainly didn't help Port Vale last year because they had a dreadful January transfer window and then couldn't recover from that Michael Brown's got lots of contacts in the game. Couldn't use them after January. All he could sign was out of contract players on, on freeze yeah. rather than, say, ring Neil Warnock, his former Sheffield United manager, get a player on loan from Cardiff for one of his other contacts. So obviously it's the same for every team in the football league. But, but I'm sure he wasn't the only manager who felt that that counted against him. We haven't seen many Stoke youngsters go out on loan today. It's start two time. Yeah, the, the last Stoke player who went on loan to Vale was John Lumsden in 1978 so that'll be 40 <laughs> years um, can't be coincidence can it but surely surely uh, Vale have inquired about what, loan what players what happened to John Lumsden <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he had such a terrible experience the, the, the club's vowed never to repeat it I don't know I mean it seems in, I would imagine that um, maybe Stoke and maybe at times Vale have felt this that if a youngster comes from Stoke doesn't start particularly well then the fans would turn on him more quickly than they would if he was a player from another club. I'm not sure if that's particularly the case any anymore. I don't know. Uh, Martin Patterson didn't get a great reception, to be honest, at, at Vale last year, but uh, Carl Dickinson did. Became really popular. He was voted um, Player of the Year. So I don't think it's it's particularly an issue anymore. Um, 
Yeah, so let's let's. Well, if if the Stoke youngsters could could improve the Vale side, that's no disrespect to them. You you'll know them better than me what they could do. Yeah, surely it would benefit Stoke sending them just across the city rather than to different parts of the country. Well, interestingly, I read your piece yesterday about the, the ten players or ten positions that Stoke <laughs> that Vale might need this this summer. Yeah. So I've re- I've got a list here okay. of, of potential Stoke youth players who could help okay. fill, fill some of those roles. Goalkeeper for starters, we've got uh, Dan Gli. Was okay. on loan at Nantwich last season. He's looking for a step up the next level. He's a he's a he's a big keeper. Uh, okay. he needs a bit of experience in the men's game. There's uh, Harry Eistead, who's just been released. He's, okay. he's, he's steady Eddie helps to win the staff senior cup. I I think Ove will be looking to bring an experienced keeper. I don't think a youngster will be the ideal fit for them in goal. Um, that might, might be something that happens during the season. Um, Daniel Batman went to Barry, didn't he? Like. Last year, yeah, that's last right. Year? He's just been released, actually. Okay. I think he might be looking for a, for a club higher than, than League Two. Okay, yeah. Uh, Harry Eistead has just been released too. I know there's a real difficulty with with goalkeepers going on loan because managers don't tend to trust yeah. young goalkeepers yeah. and throw them in. If yeah. They're only going to have them for for a month or two. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think they all sign an experienced keeper in the next few weeks or more experienced keeper. So it may be that. Um, that's the more difficult position to get players out on loan, as, as you said. Okay. We'll move on to, to centre-backs. I've got three here. Okay. Uh, Harry Suter came from Dundee United. A bit of Scottish Premier League experience. He's gone into Stokes under-18s. He was an absolute giant in the FA Youth Cup run. He's six foot seven, same height as Peter Crouch. But he's built like a bloke who should be. Okay. If he's six foot seven, he's, yeah, he's got, he looks like he's got a good future. And I, I think from seeing him in the under 23s as well a bit last year that, that he could do with playing a bit of men's football mm-hmm. um, just a little bit older than him there's Lewis Banks and Liam Edwards who are local lads they're well thought of and they're going to be around Stokes under 23s next year OK well I think Chris Birchall the ex-Vale player represents Lewis Banks so maybe maybe we can put the call into Chris or Vale can and he can use his connections to maybe help get that one done um, Harry Suter that's saying Vale need two centre-halves at least this summer Um the budget probably won't stretch to two experienced centre-halves, so so maybe that will be a, a good position. Well, it's funny, uh, funny enough, Stoke sends Ryan Sweeney out on loan. Uh, he's he's mm-hmm. on a big uh, yeah. brick house, and he was at Bristol Rovers, and he, he helped transform their defence yeah. in League One. So I'd imagine he's, he's going to the Championship uh, next season if he can't knock on Mark Hughes' door. And I, I should say as well that there's a few who are, I think, completely off fails limits at the moment. <laughs> now okay. they've been relegated, it, it didn't do them any favours. Yeah. Uh, um, Ryan Sweeney played against Vale last season, played, yeah, played very well as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, you, but you don't think they come down to lead two? No, I, I don't. No. No, especially he, he impressed everybody. Uh, and it's, it's the same with uh, this for Linden, who's a left winger, Julian Ngoy, Tom Edwards, a right back, and, mm. uh, and Tyrese Campbell, a striker. I, I think. Lead two is it'll be too low for them. Well, I know at the start of last season, Vale did inquire about a couple of Stokes youngsters. Um, I, d- I didn't get named. I wasn't given names at the time, but they did go to other clubs in the end. I'm not sure. If, I don't think Sweeney was one of them at the time. Uh, George the Waring, time. Not sure if George Waring was one. Crew, I think, were interested yeah, in him, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. But who knows? It could could have worked out. I mean, Vale actually. Yeah. We're one goal away from staying up, one goal at Fleetwood. Just imagine how Stoke fans could feel now when their players could uh, get Vale up on the last day. Yeah. Maybe I'm talking uh, talking you out of this argument, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Well, 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 I think what Stoke found out last year is that they desperately need to find the right clubs for these players. Mm-hmm. George Waring went to Shrewsbury for six months mm-hmm. and then to Carlisle, and he hardly played. Uh, it's a real shame. He just needed a, a run of games at the right level. 
um, and that those clubs didn't work out for him. Mm. A couple of midfielders here for you, Bagus. Okay. Um, Oli Shenton, who went, was at Wrexham in the conference, and he, he seems to have learnt a lot during that time. He's got a great attitude, a great left foot. He's uh, in a bit of Charlie Adam mould, although Wrexham played him at left back <laughs> a, a little oh, bit. Okay. But he's, he's more attacking. Um, he's, he'd be one to watch. There's, there's Mark Waddington, who's a box to box midfielder who was on the books of Blackpool uh, when they were in the Championship. Mm-hmm. And he got a few games for them. He's uh, he had a bit of trouble with injuries during last season, but he, he's uh, he's well thought of. and needs to get some regular action at a good level. Uh, and Dan Jarvis, who's a, who's a technical playmaker. What are you looking mm-hmm. for in central midfield? Well, I think the style next year will will change slightly. Michael Brown tried to bring this in in when he took over in uh, just before January. So it was a more dynamic style. He wants um, combative players. If you imagine Michael Brown as a player, you know, 11, 11 players like him would be would be ideal. It will be, be more physical, basically, than it was. I don't think it will be route one, but um, he'll be looking for players who will run through several brick walls <laughs> for him during a game. I, I guess, and there are young players who will do that. They're uh, like Callum Guy from Derby, really fitted that perfectly. I guess the worry would be if it's uh, an 18 or a 19-year-old who hasn't played in the Football League before, um, would would they really fit that bill in, in what's going to be a physical campaign in League Two? That's the, that's the great unknown, isn't it? And this again comes back to the problem that you can only take players on loan for a period of three or four months. Um, yeah. So if, if, they if it try were, isn't working out, yeah. you can't send them back. Exactly. And the club yeah. can't get them back. Either. Yeah. On that line, I'll give you two powerhouse strikers: Hakim oh, Abdullah okay. and Jordan Green. They're, they're both uh, six foot plus uh, and built like men. They could, they could do with some senior football. Abdullah was out with um, a French club last year, French third division, second half of last season. He's 19-year-old. Got a game against PSG in the French Cup, so that'll be interesting to see where he goes next. But I, I reckon, looking at Vale, um, the, the signing they've already made, Tom Pope, he could do with a foil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about Dom Telford? He's a live-wire striker. He makes right. his own chances in the box. He's, he, yeah, he's a, he's a goal scorer. Okay. Uh, every time I see him, he just looks like he, he's got a real nose for goals well I um, Vale's head of recruitment or chief scout is Darren <laughs> Rack so I think should be, we should be sending this tape to him <laughs> hi Darren <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, some of these players might be on his list I don't know Vale are talking I think in the next couple of weeks to a more experienced striker but they'll need at least two more centre forwards so it might well be again I mentioned the budget before that one of them will be a youngster on loan so yeah who knows maybe they'll be giving Stoke, Stoke City a call would, it, would they be wasting the time though you know? would, would Stoke take the call or would they be interested I think yeah I think they'll be certainly interested for, for some of the players probably mm. perhaps not all that I've mentioned but uh, I think the key is to get players out on loan to get them good opportunities in senior football well, if they can offer that and just because they're from the other side of the city <laughs> well, if we had this pre-season friendly that we started about in the show, then Vale could see them up, up close to the end of the year, adapted at Vale Park. Well, who knows? Maybe Vale won't move and they'll get their comeuppance from me in the second trade <laughs> Oh, trophy. not the second trade trophy, trophy please. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, Mike. Pleasure, uh, Pete. And uh, we'll see you again during the summer, I'm sure. Okay.